good? I thought it was good. Vera said, yeah. I can always count on Vera. <clears throat> Let's look at Revelation chapter number one is uh, uh, where we began this study. And uh, if, if you're not sure what the book Revelation is, um, it's the revelation uh, of Jesus Christ. And we looked at that, that he was telling John on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos? Is that how you say it? Patmos. Pat, Pat. On an island. <laughs> because John was uh, the young disciple. And we established last week the importance of when this was written. It was written around 90 A.D. And um, that has some importance to it. Uh, some people will say it was written in 60 A.D. because that fits their doctrine of eschatology, which is just a big word for end times prophecy. Um, so uh, John was the young disciple, uh, the beloved, as the other disciples would say. And uh, all at this time, the other apostles um, had all been killed off. So John was... Uh, um, the last one left on this island, and, and John's at an older age um, now, and he's imprisoned on this island. And um, he received this vision of the book of Revelation from God and from Jesus Christ, and it has a full-blown conversation with Jesus here about these first, uh, these first three chapters. Um, and he's writing these letters to the churches in Asia. And last week we covered what that's about. We had a map. I don't know if that's easy to find or look at or pull up. I'm going to have you do some Googling tonight. I didn't send you, send you the link, but you can look some pictures up for us too. We're going to look at some things. Um, uh, I, but a map. Yeah, it's a green map with some, with some names on it, words, the churches, these seven churches. And uh, we established last week that there was more than these seven churches. Um, but the significance of why it's these seven churches uh, will come into play in the next following weeks because there's some prophecy that's involved with it. Um, yeah, there you go. Yep, seven churches of Asia. So this kind of gives us a, uh, uh, you know, and when we read the book of Ephesians, yeah, it's a letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, so we looked at even Corinth is not on here because they're not addressed by this, but they were a church at the same time. So uh, these are, and if you look at Paul's missionary journeys, which we've studied before, um, it kind of overlays with these as first, second, and third journey. So kind of catches you up to speed of who John's writing to and who Jesus is addressing. But the importance of what we looked at last week was the church at Ephesus, the first one here on the mail route. Um, and I covered it a little bit this morning, um, was that Jesus said that um, uh, he had somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Whew, that would be kind of a, a bad letter to get, wouldn't it? From Jesus telling this church that they didn't love him anymore. Not so much their high school sweetheart, but no, Jesus. And um, that would be... Whew, be kind of a hard letter to receive from Jesus, wouldn't it? Hey, why, why don't you love me anymore? And he said, because they need to remember why, basically, you know, why they, why, why they fell in love in the first place. And sometimes we need to do that. As, isn't that what anniversaries are for? I think that's what anniversaries are for. Like, hey, let's see if we can get Grandma and Grandpa to watch the kids and let's go off to the Smoke Meat Festival and, and fall in love all over again. <laughs> That's what anniversaries are for. Uh, but, you know, do we ever have that anniversary with Jesus? 
you know, it's human nature to get complacent and to get relaxed and to get forget, right? That's, 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 that, that is the reason that you need to have anniversaries so that you can just, you and your, your honey can go get away and, and remember what it was like when it was just the two of you and everything was perfect. And uh, <laughs> that's why you're supposed to eat your topper or your wedding cake the first year, right? So you can go, oh, I remember how lovely our wedding was last year and how good the cake was. And then you go, whoa. <laughs> you guys didn't keep the topper on your cake? You got it. <laughs> I think our, our cake lady made us a new one, didn't she? She said, you can keep yours, but let me know. I'll make you a new one. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that's the importance uh, of, of why we need to keep that in mind. So some of you that sounds like food poisoning. That's the idea. <laughs> so you can be sick, sickness, and in health. That's this where the sickness part comes in. Uh, but it, it, we we need to do that ourselves in our spiritual life. Remember that the the pit that he drug us out of. Remember our purpose. Remember, like we talked about this morning, God's will in our life. Because if we if we're not careful, we'll just become a miserable Christian like everybody else. And I don't want us to be that way. So, uh, but then he then he did say, but. Thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate too. And that's a big fancy word we don't use a whole lot and had a neat story to go with that last week. But basically that is the conquer the laity. And um, a, a lot of churches still do that when they say, well, you got to go to the Hebrew and Greek and you have to come to us for the understanding of that. Or you have to come to me to be your intercessor to talk to God. You have to come to my little... Uh, booth, and you tell me your sins, and then I'll relay them to God. And if you don't have me, then then you don't have that. That's doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and and God and Jesus said, I hate that. And He said, and you hate that too. So we're good there. So uh, you'll see, kind of see a pattern uh, of these things. He writes to these seven churches. Very few of those things were good. Now, now think about that. These churches are possibly only. You're looking at 40 years old. So in 40 years, they had gone from the teachings of the Apostle Paul, and in 40 years, they had lost their focus. That's kind of like, wow, really? Paul preached here? Like they, You walk down the missionary hall in that church, and they would have Paul's letter to Ephesians, chapter number 1. There it is. He was writing to us. And then in 40 years... They're in trouble with Jesus Christ. So why this is important to us, we're only f- almost four years old. We may be four years old time we finish this study. I don't know. So we need to keep in mind that, hey, in four years, what, what's our focus? You know, what, what is important? Where, where are we lacking as a church? And remember, what, what is a church? People. So, so if... Us as a church has a problem, that problem in lies with us, the people, individuals. Um, and we can feed off each other. And we said last week, every church ever known to man has had problems. There's not a perfect church. The only perfect church is in heaven. <laughs> so, and some of us may have been to churches that really had a lot of problems. And uh, sometimes those problems aren't addressed, or maybe they're preached from the pulpit and kind of goes over people's head, ooh, I'm glad he's not talking to me today, and they might be the one with the problem. So over and over when Jesus, even when we take the Lord's Supper, he tells us to examine ourselves. And, and I think as we read through these 
seven churches, it's a good opportunity for us as individuals to examine ourselves and make sure our heart, make sure we've not left our first love. How many of you have been mar- uh, married? <laughs> How many of you have been saved for 20 years or more? It, it can be pretty easy to like forget the pit that he drug you out of you. How many of you have been saved for less than five years? You guys are still like, should be gangbusters, going crazy, ready, go, let's go. But give it some time. You'll be lame like the rest of us. <laughs> but we don't want that to happen. We, and we, in fact, we want the rest of us to get a zeal and fire and revival and stuff like that. So uh, that was a wrap of, of the Church of Ephesus. And basically, if you missed last week, that's what we talked about. That was review. That was fast. Now let's look at verse number 8 in Revelation chapter number 2. Remember when it says the angel, we're not talking about little fluttery babies and diapers with bows and arrows and stuff. No, we're talking about the preacher. The preacher is known as the angel. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's me. So uh, uh, Jesus is telling John to write this and address it to the angel at the church. So the, the messenger um, and, and I guess technically it, it may not possibly be the preacher, but most, most chances the, the messenger of God is the, is the pastor, is the preacher. So verse number 8, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Boy, that, that's like, um, that takes any question of who's writing this out of the equation, right? I mean, that, that narrows it extremely. The first and the last. Well, that's God. He who was dead and is now alive. Oh, gosh, that's either got to be Jesus or Lazarus. But wait a minute, Lazarus is probably dead again by now. So, yep, that'd still be Jesus. So that, that's Jesus. That's, who's, that's who is speaking these things. Verse number 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. I fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and that ye shall have tribulation ten days be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So that was a pretty short and sweet letter, isn't it? Now, um, I've heard this taught on several times. Anybody ever been through a series or less on the seven churches of Revelation? Yeah? Um, I've really found this pretty interesting. Now, the first time we studied through the book of Revelation, I mean, we hit it fast. It was like six or seven weeks, if I remember right. We just like boom through it fast. And I knew we were. I don't know. I guess I was in a hurry even more back then than I am now. But, um, and I, we got to this church in Smyrna, and I, I don't know if anybody, if you remember this or not, there's an interesting study about a plant in the church of Smyrna. Anybody remember that? I probably wouldn't. Only about three of you, four of you, been like maybe Steve, <laughs> Dad. Do you remember me telling you that? Maybe Cody was here, kinda. Well, you guys never did a devotion on it, so we're gonna we're gonna do it tonight. 
uh, interesting. This is, I, I ran across this years ago and I thought, wow, there is something there. Hmm. And then kind of put it by the wayside. And I just, I've known all along there's something there and we're probably not even going to dig down to the root and the bottom of what it is. So a couple weeks ago when we were getting ready to start this study, I thought, I had enough pieces of it put together. I wanted somebody to fill in the gaps. So what a, what a, what a really good studied preacher will do, he'll get online. He'll go to sermonaudio.com. <laughs> and he'll say, let's fill in the gaps. Let's listen to a message or read a message. You guys didn't know we did that? Yeah, you got to have a special password to get in there. Like, they give it to you when you get ordained. There's your password. No, I don't. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, th there's a true, there's a really a true site called sermonaudio.com, and it's got millions of sermons on there. And I tried scrolling through to find this subject, and nothing. And I'm like, really, this can't be a new nugget. Went and Googled the subject, nothing. And I'm like, really? So. It's, it's pretty deep, and we're not going to go periscope deep because we could, I, I need your help with this. So if you see, I know, <laughs> Ooh. If, if I just sat in an office all day and stared at the wall and said, hmm, a Smyrna, what is that? How does that work? Maybe I could have figured it out, and maybe it's embarrassing that I've looked at this for as long as I have and still don't have it all clicked together. So I'm going to draw you the big picture and then let you fill in the puzzle pieces. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, yeah. What? We got to think on a fifth Sunday? No, I fill into pieces, and I want you to think about this. And if you can come up with, like, oh, you know what? I got to thinking about this. Have you thought about it? Tell me. No, I hadn't even thought about that. Or maybe, like, wow, I've always wanted to study something deep and complex. This is, this is it. This will this this be fun. And if it doesn't interest you, you can take a nap. We'll wake you up when we're done. <laughs> but, okay, so... Answer me this. We, we all know the, the, like the doctrine of first mention in the Bible, right? Where you can kind of look at the first time a word is mentioned, and that kind of has a pattern throughout the Bible, and, and that word will usually stick. What is the first plant that's mentioned in the Bible by name? No, back a little farther than that. Specific though, that's a good. That's good. That's good with a name. No. 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 Close. You guys are like, yes. Fig tree. Fig. And where was that fig mentioned? Yeah. What? What they do? Are you serious? You just randomly guessed. <laughs> That's good. Good guess. I got all the plants. <laughs> Adam and Eve. Yep. When they when they sinned, <laughs> when they sinned, they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. So we have that establishment of, <laughs> and a lot of people. And it's probably right. We don't have. Does anybody ever seen a fig tree in Ohio? I don't think they make it around here. They have a fig tree down there? Yeah, you think of figs and you think of these little um, cookie bar square growing on the, and uh, Isaac Newton sitting under it and studying, right? 
They're they're big trees with big leaves, aren't they? Is that one down there? Big leaves? Big leaves. Big big leaves. Yeah. yeah exactly. Did you look up the smurn? What's what'd you Google in there? Okay. Uh it, it, no, not yet. You can't. That, that's a that's a fig tree, and fig trees. I mean, they're big trees. I mean, these are pretty decent sized trees. And um, of course, we've all had fig newtons before, right? Mmm. Yep. You've never had a fig newton, really? Really? What What do you think of that sauerkraut? Do you like that sauerkraut today? Yeah. She loves your sauerkraut, honey. She wasn't going to say no. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> But what do you notice about those fig newtons when you eat them? I've no, I don't know if I've ever gone to the store and bought a fig. They're gritty. It's all them little, they're seedy. They're small, little, tiny seeds. Um, and, that make, and you mentioned mustard. That kind of makes me wonder why Jesus didn't say, think of the fig tree and such a small seed would make something big. Because he was, he was talking about their faith and the mustard, the grain of a mustard seed of something so small. And when that seed grew up, the birds could perch in its branches, right? Well, I'm thinking of this, and I'm like, why didn't he say the fig tree? That was something they had. And those seeds are really gritty. And that's what those, that, that uh, fig newton is. They're gritty. That's the seeds. So you would think that if he was going to use the analogy of something small turning into something big, he would use that, wouldn't you? Now, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm not saying this is gospel. I'm just making us think and kind of wonder why he didn't do that. Because a fig tree is bigger than a mustard tree <laughs> plant. And, and I would say that a fig seed and a mustard seed, mustard seed's probably a little smaller, but I don't think that would offset the final result. So why didn't, it makes you kind of wonder why he didn't say, think of the, thou must have the faith of a fig seed. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Well, we looked at figs being first mentioned in the Bible as a covering, and Adam and Eve tried to hide behind that fig leaf. They tried to use that fig as a covering to hide their sin, and it wasn't very successful. So we have that going for us. Um, There's a, uh, okay, let's let's not look too far back away from the church yet. So here we have this church at Smyrna. And this is one of the churches that, because as we look at these seven churches, um, we'll break down and we'll look at the good things and the bad things, but unfortunately for these seven churches, there's only one church that has it all together, and another church that a lot of preachers, and I agree with this too, uh, that's taught, is this church at Smyrna has it together. But I see something, and, and I think the reason they say that, because we look, we, this is often classified as the persecuted church. Um, <clears throat> because look at here, verse number 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So there's the description of the church. That's the good part. <laughs> Does that sound real good? It doesn't sound real good, does it? Like, I know thy works. Yeah. So, and a lot of people say this is the persecuted church. I say this, it's the infiltrated church. They've been infiltrated. They've got some people in the church that say they're with them, but they're not. 
They're of the synagogue of Satan. I hope that is never said of our church. They say they're Christians, but they're of the devil in that church. That's basically what Jesus is saying. I I know thy works. Look at that again. Verse number 8 or 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So it's almost a contradiction here. So the church of Smyrna is often listed as the okay guys, like positive and how this is looked at is Ephesus, negative, left thy first love, but positive, thou hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And then we get to the church at Smyrna, positive because you were in tribulation. I'm not, you know, tribulation is not something to dread and to, and to veer from. And the Bible says that if we endure tribulation, we'll receive a reward. And these guys actually did re- are told that they will receive a reward if they do a couple things. We'll get to that in a minute. So it's not necessarily negative, but it's not necessarily positive. It's just kind of blah. It's just kind of there. And we'll see another church later on that's kind of that same way. It's kind of like blah. And um, so we see that they're persecuted, but I, I look at them more as infiltrated. They've got some spies in the camp. They've got some infiltration taking place. And, and that's really... Um, all that's described to them is one small verse that's not real clear. So we have to do this. Now, why do I, why do I bring up this fig tree so much? Um, well, Israel is typified in the Bible as what? A fig tree. In fact, he, he describes them. When he gives the parable of the fig tree, he's talking about Israel. Uh, what was one of the things that when they were in Jerusalem on Monday night um, after the triumphal entry, and Jesus and his disciples are camping, and they walk past a tree. Remember what that tree was? Fig tree. And what did Jesus do to that fig tree? Yeah, he's like, I wanted a fig. But it didn't have a fig on it. Now, this is an amazing thing. We think of, we think of trees as like, oh, how many of you love apples? I, I have a, I just, I love apples. We, we went and we picked two big old bags of apples from A&M Apple Farm and had these big dreams and hopes of making um, applesauce like grandma used to make. They're all gone. <laughs> They're all gone. We didn't get to make the applesauce. We ate them out of the bag and it's too late now. There's like some rotten ones in the bottom. But uh, so we, I, I look forward to October every year like, oh, it's time to go get some apples. But fig trees um, in, in certain areas, there's a whole different variety. There's lots of different varieties of fig trees, just like there is apples and stuff. But the, the temperature that they have over in the Middle East, fig trees will produce fruit almost year-round. Different, different varieties and different types, and maybe they'll even have two, two crops of figs. So, um, you know, that was in the springtime of the year. You would think, well, of course it's spring. Why is he expecting fruit already? But do you think that the creator of that fig tree knew that it was supposed to have fruit on it that day? And because that fruit tree or because that fig tree didn't have fruit and he expected it to, he cursed it. He cursed that fig tree. And then his disciples marveled when they came back. At how, or he cursed it in the morning, and then they come back that evening, and they marveled of how soon it was withered away. Like, was pretty. Like he went to go get some breakfast, and he was mad. Now look at it. It's dead. So we see this prophecy of the nation of Israel. I expected fruit from you, and I've not received it. So now you're cursed, and, and now look, the fruit's been given to another, us Gentiles. So we see that uh, type again. Um, so Israel's typified. 
first specific mention. Evan got that one right. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now, if we were going to have a fig tree and we were going to help fill in the gaps with this church at Smyrna, what do you think that fig tree would be called? A Smyrna fig. Has anybody ever heard of a Smyrna fig? He's, he's Googling back here. Type Google, Google image Smyrna fig. This is interesting. And remember, there's, there's all kinds of different varieties and so, so on and so forth. Everybody's got their Google out now. Just hold tight. He'll pull it up. This specific fig tree is different. Now, how many of you have uh, a crab apple tree in your yard to help pollinate plums or cherries? <laughs> Wyatt, we did. It died. We don't have any plums because of that. So there, there's cross-pollinator <laughs> trees that you have to uh, you have to have certain not apples, but certain trees. You have to have uh, attractant um, trees that will cross-pollinate and give you plums and cherries, for example. Yeah. Don't give it away. I think you're going to give it away. Don't give it away. <clears throat> Let, bring me back to that if, if, we, if, we get, if I don't get there, bring me back to that. So uh, in, eight, in the 1800s, they brought the Smyrna figs from Asia to California. And they began, they thought, to set fruit. Now, when we think of crab apples or apples or cherry trees in the spring, what do you think of? Just these beautiful blooms and fragrance and everything. So if you've got a Smyrna fig blossom, blossom, Smyrna fig blossom, B-L-O-S-S-M somewhere, E-M-O-M, O-M, O-M, blossom. This, this is interesting because when we think of producing fruit, I mean, even, even ugly old squash plants, they make these great big pretty yellow flowers, don't they? And then it's like two days later, if you missed it, it's bad. Throw it to the chickens because it's too big. Amazing. Well, these Smyrna fig trees, their blossoms look like a, just a round fig thing, right? Yeah, just a, that's all you could find. That's a Smyrna fig, that's it's a Smyrna fig blossom right there. Not something you want to have in your yard just for pretty, is it? Not just, just kind of plain. Just kind of plain, not flashy, not real outgoing, loud, abrupt, just kind of, just kind of overlooked, right? Does it kind of remind you of a nation in the world? Kind of maybe remind you of Israel? Kind of, kind of maybe remind you of a lot of the characters in it, like David, just we talked about him in Sunday school this morning, just kind of looked over, just not real flashy, not real, just kind of there. Kind of reminds you of our church, not real flashy, and I, I give us—I don't give us enough credit. We have a flashy, flashy building. We've got a fireplace in the lobby. Christy reminded me of that last week. I mean, we're flashy, we're flashy, we're we're up and coming, we're hip. Um, but that's this this so so these fig trees, these Smyrna figs in California, they set, and I don't know if they all thought this, but they set these blossoms, and they're like, all right, something going, and then guess what happened? They dropped off. Like, wait a minute, they, they dropped off. They were supposed to have, like, we, we missed the flowers somehow, and we went straight to fruit, and what happened? Well, that was the blooms. They weren't being pollinated. Okay, i got to get to this article. This is, this is interesting. I want to I read you straight from the horse's 
mouth on this article from the Smyrna fig in California. <clears throat> Here we go. I know on Sunday, fifth Sunday afternoons, we get a little bit of, oh, he's reading. I'm going to take this opportunity to fall asleep. <clears throat> Here we go. For most kinds of fruit to develop, pollen from a male flower or a male part of a bisexual flower must first be dusted onto the female part of the flower. But the Smyrna, the most commonly sold variety of dry figs, you guys are reading along. You found the same article, didn't you? Is it from the Omaha World Herald? No. <laughs> Kinda. So, it, because it doesn't have a typical bloom, like a tomato plant or a squash or a cherry tree or anything, that attracts a beautiful little bee or a hummingbird or just wind, because it's in the bloom is encased, um, it's not a bisexual plant, so it has to have a pollen. Uh, um, what tree is it that have to have a have, you have to have a male and a female? Is that a? Um, oh, help me out. Pear tree, yes. Some some varieties of pears are that way, where you have a male pear and you have female pears, and if you don't have both, you're not getting any pears. So yeah, some pear, some varieties of pears are that way. Hollies. Holly bush, they're that way. The little red berries that you get. If you've got two male hollies, no pretty berries. So God even designed it some plants to get to the keep the everybody straight. <clears throat> but um, so so they finally uh, said, well, how these things have to be pollinated? How do you how do you think they did it? <laughs> He's already googled it back there. You guys have too. <clears throat> how do they do it, Dad? Oh. Yep, but they got even more clever than that. that. That is how they can do it. But listen to this. A pollination is brought by pressing into the service a tiny wasp. The Smyrna fig trees were introduced into California in the 1800s, but until the fig pollination was understood, all the figlets of California's fig trees merely dropped to the ground before swelling. Mediterranean farmers long ago, that's what we're talking about, discovered that the Smyrna fig tree could be made fruitful by hanging among its branches fruit of an inedible so-called, listen to this, wild goat fig. That kind of perk up some of your interest? It could be. It could be. Or a cafridge. The cafridge supplies the needed pollen, which is carried into the developing Smyrna fruit by the tiny wasp. The wasp is called the blastophagus, maybe, <laughs> and, and, and its uh, work is called caprification. The blasphemate, this wasp, eggs as many as 600 in a single fruit developed inside the cafridge. So they hang a fig from another tree in the Smyrna fig tree. So they, they grab this fig from another totally different kind of fig and they hang it in this tree. Got that picture in your mind? The female wasp emerges, I told you this is deep. I don't know if we'll get this figured out tonight, I hope. <clears throat> the female wasp emerges soon after, just when the male calfridge flowers are shedding pollen. The, the wasp 
wins its way out of the calf ridge, the, so the, the wild goat fig, and inadvertently picks up pollen. The wasp is tricked, and once outside the, the wild goat fig, this wasp begins searching for an unpollinated uh, fig in which it deposits her eggs, and here is where the human trickery intervenes. A calf ridge, which are, are grown in a separate orchard, are gathered just before the female wasps see daylight and are hung the in the branches of the Smyrna fig. The blasphemage, this wasp, doesn't know that uh, the fig from the other orchard is from the Smyrna fig. So she works her way into the Smyrna's fig eye. Now, if you look at the blossom that looks like a fig, in the bottom of that it has just a little hole in the bottom of that bloom, just big enough for this wasp to get in. So she works her way to the Smyrna's fig's eye. Unfortunately for her, the shape of the Smyrna fig flower makes egg-laying impossible. Fig pollination occurs as she uh, frantically moves from flower to flower, trying to lay her eggs. Eventually, the poor wasp dies from exhaustion. Most of the dead wasps, get this, are, digest, are digested inside developing fruit, but you'll occasionally find an intact one if you look closely. Mm-mm-mm, wasp fig newtons. <laughs> uh, uh, of course, enough colonized cap-free cap figs are left alone, and the cap-free fig trees to perpetuate the, the wasp's species. Disbelief gives the way to a delicious fig. Given the, inter uh, the interactive and uh, synchronized relationship between the two plants and an insect, it's no wonder that the couple of decades elapsed before the Californians were able to harvest their first ripe Smyrna fruit. At first, the idea of caprication was considered preposterous, the hanging of a capri fig in the trees, uh, mere uh, in the trees, mere uh, peasant superstition. Um, fortunately, all those who live in the climate and not conduce to the capri, so that's pretty much it. So, who would have ever thought? So the first guys that figured this out, they go back over to Asia. And they were like, oh, a Smyrna fig? Well, you have to take a fig from this tree that has these wasp eggs in it and hang it in this fig. And basically, you're deceiving this, these wasps into doing what the husbandry, the, the vineyard guy, the orchardman, wants it to do. And it goes around, and it produces fruit in the Smyrna fig. You're all looking at me like, has everybody got that? It's, it's really, it's kind of far-fetched. It's not the way we garden today. So they're taking this wild goat, and that's the crazy part about it. That's what it's called, the wild goat fig. They're hanging it in the nation of Israel. Oh, did I give it away? And it is deceptively enabling them to produce fruit. Kind of see how that works together? Who, who do you think... That wild goat in the nation doing its work. What religion or what nation, what do you kind of draw the lines? And some, let, me, let me know if we're all working on the same wave path here. What do you think that would be? I see some of you shaking your head. You're too chicken to say it. 
<clears throat> what do you think, honey? Too chicken to say it. Kind of sounds a little bit like Islam to me, doesn't it? Isn't that what he told them about their church, Smyrna? He said, there are some among you that claim to be Jews. Now, isn't that what the, is, isn't that what the Muslims are doing? Some of you haven't got it yet. Is it clicking now maybe a little bit? And they're claiming that they are they. We are the ones. We are Abraham's sons. We're the ones. We're the ones. And he said, but you're of the doctrine of Satan. And they're in this church of Smyrna. And here, these figs are wild goat figs. Because at the end times, God is going to separate the sheep, the nation of Israel, from the goats. See how he does that separation? And we call this fig a wild goat fig. And it basically has, it introduces an intruder into the orchard. And because this intruder is in the orchard, it helps the nation produce fruit. Um, <clears throat> do you think that if Palestine attacked Israel tomorrow, what, what do you think would happen? How, how long do you think that battle would last? If Syria decided, all right, we're going in, we're going to attack Israel tomorrow, how long, how long do you think that all-out, flat-out war would last? Not very long. <laughs> the last time. <laughs> the last time five of, five of them, last time five of them tried to do it lasted six days. Isn't, isn't that amazing? So what has happened because this intruder, this wild goat has been introduced into this orchard, this fig, fig orchard, that's what we're talking about, because of that, that it's helped produce all this fruit. And it's made the nation of Israel one of the strongest nations in the world, with some help from the United States, I'll add, too. We're coming up. This is uh, uh, November. Uh, we were talking about trying to remember birthdays. I can't even hardly remember birthdays, much less historical events. November 1917 is when the Balfour Declaration was introduced that, that basically began to, 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 to turn over that land that uh, the nation of Britain was in charge of for several for 100 years, which enabled the nation of Israel to exist today. And part of the reason that was is because they were so, the Arabs had so... I don't want this to be a study about that. What time do we get done here? It's so off. We got till 7.30, right? <laughs> no, 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 that's not right. Not, not our normal scheduled program. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that, and, and then the United Nations, because the nation of Israel was so persecuted by the Nazis, is the reason that we even have the nation of Israel today. And just like Sam said, last about six or seven days, because they've been so persecuted throughout history, that's why is this? Why is all that important? What's, what does this matter? Because the Bible says that one day all the armies of the world are going to be against that poor little nation of Israel that's not any bigger than New Jersey, smaller than New Jersey. That's where you were born, really? I'd have never guessed that. I figured you. <laughs> Straight from Kentucky, like the rest of us. <laughs> so we see that that is, is, is God's plan unfolding this whole time. And the reason they've been fruitful for all these years 
Do you think they would be prepared if, if Islam was, was so against them? They wouldn't be any different than Canada, <laughs> right? Canada wouldn't last five minutes in a war with, with any of them bad guys over there, right? But, but since they've had that doc, I mean, is this making sense or am I just really totally, I mean, is this way out there? Is it kind of holding into place? I think it just, and I, 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 know, I know there's more to it than this. I know there is. I just I don't have the brain capacity to figure it out, and I don't have the cheat sheets off the Internet to draw the rest of the lines. And, and maybe there's another side shoot to this whole thing. But, but I think that these, um, and, and look what he said. I mean, he said that these, uh, I know thy works and tribulations, poverty, but thou I know the blasphemy of them which say they are of the Jews, and they are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. So, and then we read on to that, and he says, uh, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison. Now, I, I truly believe that this literally happened to this church at Smyrna, because we're, I'm trying to keep these two separate, because we're looking at them as a historical church and event, but we're also looking at it as a prophetical timeline, and I didn't want to, the other ones will split up, but I wanted to keep these two together, because there's just not really anything mentioned about this church at Smyrna as far as their characteristic. Um, and I think you have to kind of look at the whole prophetical uh, side of that with them. Um, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, and you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days, and thou uh, shalt faithful unto death. And here's what's interesting, because he gives, he, speaking of God, gives this promise of enduring to the end to the nation of Israel. And a, and a lot of um, misunderstood or misguided or just false doctrine will tell Christians, oh, you have to endure to the end to find out whether you were saved or not. Where, what? And, and some people believe that because they think if they become a backslidden condition and don't go to church, basically, then they must not have been saved. Gosh, I'm packing open here in the pulpit. I normally take this off on Sunday. Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, and normally, you know, they, they uh, uh, because there are churches that will teach that. Well, if you didn't just endure to the end, because the Bible says they that endure to the end will be saved. Now, God's talking to the nation of Israel, and he's telling them that through the tribulation in these end times, because there's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble, the Bible says, and that is specifically focused to the nation of Israel. When we get And some of you is like, I've never heard prophecy before, so you're using all these terms and I don't have a clue what you're speaking. Hang, hang with this study and you'll, you'll see. But <clears throat> So God is going to give Israel uh, another chance during the tribulation after the church is raptured out. Um, and the entire world is going to... When you hear people talk about the seven-year tribulation period and Armageddon and all that stuff, that is focused primarily towards the nation of Israel when they will be put in captivity and, and the Bible talks about the numbers of them that will be killed and they'll be beheaded if they don't worship the beast. So it's not a fun time for Israel. But right now the, is, the nation of Israel is mainly unbelieving, a large portion of them. Now there are some Jews that believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah and they're saved, but for a majority they're looking for the Messiah. And when the Antichrist comes on the scene, they'll say, that's him, that's our Jesus, that's the Jesus that we talk about all the time. The Antichrist will be that to them. And then he'll do some stupid stuff and they'll say, wait a minute, the Messiah would never do that. 
but the Bible that those Gentiles say that the Antichrist will do that. And there'll be a mass conversion um, because of two witnesses. I love it when you give me that look. <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be a mass conversion and there'll be missionaries sent out from that time and there'll be witnesses um, that'll be beheaded in the streets and all that stuff will click and make sense to them. And they'll say, well, I'll be. Those Christians were right after all and here we go. This is what's coming next. And they'll be in tribulation and, until Jesus comes to the end. So some of you are like, hmm. And Evan's going... <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? Isn't that crazy that that fig called the Smyrna has to have an intruder that has to be deceived into making it fruitful? And and I'm, you know, years ago I'm looking at this and I'm like, how does that all, there's something there, there's something specific to that. And, and then you learn more about that wasp and how that works and and I don't know, maybe, the, maybe there is a fig inside that sack. Maybe that kind of protects that fruit after they pick it and it's inside that sack. I'm not sure, but um, it took them quite a while to figure out what, why they weren't having any fruit. You know, you, you dedicate part of your orchard for these figs and you're like, okay, they should be mature by now. What's going on? They're setting, you know, because it looks like the bloom looks like they're setting fruit. And then, but the bloom falls off and they don't get any fruit. Just like Jesus was saying over and over about the nation of Israel. And then, um, here, here's the amazing thing. When Jesus and Luke talks about the nation of Israel, um, knowing the end times, it talks about, don't you know that when a fig tree brings forth leaves and then brings forth fruit, you know the time of the year that it is. And then that tree is shaken and the fruit falls. So we, we see that as a also a prophetic sign for the nation of Israel in the end. So... Um, Crazy things that are happening when you look at it like that. Any thoughts, questions? You're start, some of you start to look sleepy. We'll, we'll, we'll wind it. We'll wind it.